Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. We're going to take a look at uh, the, the secret, unbelievable uh, origin of the X-Men character Bishop. But first, we want to let you guys know that this coming weekend, we're going to be at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we rented a big-ass vehicle, and we're bringing uh, uh, a little bit of everything that we have, man. So uh, look forward to seeing you. If you are below that Mason-Dixon line, you're heading down to... Uh, Heroes Con, but also we want to promote uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe comic book Christmas in July. This is an initiative that we've put together, started it last year, where we're taking our comic book doubles and our personal comp copies of comics that we had published, and we're taking them around to uh, the local neighborhood, to those free little lending libraries. We're sprinkling comics like Johnny Appleseed around town to uh, hopefully create new comic book readership. And without further ado, Jimmy, can we just jump right into things, man? We're going to take a look at X-Men uh, 282 and 283, first appearance of Bishop. These are absolutely comics that I bought straight off the rack. What's, what's crazy, I was talking to you off camera about this stuff. I uh, picked these up as they came out. Like Some of the ads and stuff were still valid when, when I picked them up. But I did not pick these up at a comic book store. I picked them up at Hill's Department Store but they have direct market corner boxes. Like for those playing at home who don't no such distinctions. When you would go to a newsstand, a grocery store or something, you would get the UPC box. And when you would go to comic shops, there was no, a lot of comic shops barely had cash registers, man. So they definitely didn't have UPC scanning technologies. So you would just put some kind of kayfabe drawing in there or whatever. Uh, so very curious, makes me wonder how the department store, you know, got direct market comics. But uh, this was such a Sweet spot. 1991, I would be eight, nine years old. I was a freshman in, in uh, the way my schools were set up. Middle school was seven, eight, nine. So I was ninth grade. And this is the peak. This is 1991 is your Jim Lee X-Men would have come out shortly before this. X-Force shortly before X-Men. And it was kind of a, a re-arrangement. Uh, so you've got Jim Lee on a new X-Book, Rob Liefeld on X-Force. Wills Protasio, man, a super hot artist. He gets Uncanny X-Men, which I had been buying from the beginning of reading my reading days. And then um, Larry Stroman going on X-Factor. And it was like, they made so much noise, you know, as a whole, like the X-Books with that move. And I was on board for all of them. Like, all those artists look really good. And at this point, Wills had come off of X-Factor. I was reading him on X-Factor, and I just dug his stuff. And you can see part of what I like right on this cover. These dudes the biggest quads in comics <laughs> and he would draw all the muscles they were very exaggerated but it seemed like you know anatomy wise he had what jim lee had but then even like almost more ocd about the anatomy like you're getting the teardrop quads you're getting like all the forearm muscles and stuff like that and they looked a little bit different you know he had his own style and i was on board it seemed like it was even more lines than jim lee so let's talk about the humble origins of uh of Bishop, the the character, I think it was an editor at Marvel, made the discovery looking through some flea market or something, came across uh, a gang of electric company magazines, man, and it's a September 1981 issue of the electric company <laughs> magazine, it has a young Gary Coleman with a choo-choo hat on, a blue shirt with a yellow stripe down the middle, the red kerchief, he's, it's the Bishop outfit one of the weirdest character design details in history and and it was totally outed like it was discovered that wills was drawing 
the costume based on Gary Coleman on the cover of Electric Company. This episode is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Three different levels will give you access to our videos early, and at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of our videos as well as the recording session. These videos are also brought to you by the books that we make, and we've got a big year ahead. Coming up from Ed Piscor is the Hip Hop Family Tree, Omnibus, you see it on screen, Gold Foil. This is going to be the beautiful book of the season. 500 plus pages, including all of the Hip Hop Family Tree comic, plus 140 extra pages just for the Omnibus. Pre-order that one today. There's also a big collection of X-Men Grand Design, all three of the Grand Design X-Men volumes in one convenient location. That'll be out before the end of the year, perfect as a holiday gift. And the final season of Red Room, Crypto Killers. Issue one is already out, issue two on the right here, coming very soon, an entire series, every issue self-contained, the perfect jump on spot for new readers or longtime Red Room fans. My next book is Street Angel Princess of Poverty coming out later this year from Image Comics, the homeless ninja on a skateboard. This collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, also available and back in print from Image Comics, Hulk Grand Design, Oversized Fluorescent Green Treasury Edition now available, and the first young adult graphic novel, The Plain Janes, and my latest comic book, True Crime Funnies, self-published, written and drawn by me, featuring three nonfiction short stories available now on my website. And now back to the video. The hair and all that stuff, that actually comes from Larry Stroman. Uh, he was walking around, Larry Stroman was looking like Doughboy from Boys in the Hood, the Ice Cube character, man, with that Jerry Crow mullet. They pushed the severity of that Jerry Crow mullet to the extremes. It's, it's damn near Shawn Michaels' yes. level of mullet uh, in these, you know, 1991 era comics. Uh, even then, the mullet wasn't, wasn't that cool in my neighborhood. Uh, when you talk about Comics Peak, I absolutely concur because I was already a lifer in comics, even at nine, man. I was grabbing it for at least five years at that point. No, no, no kayfabe, man. But this was the period where I actually could talk to people about comics a little bit. Like, there were dudes that I went to school with that really responded to this, man. My homeboy, Deontay Giles, shouts to him. He was born on the exact same day as me. Our, our moms were like uh, uh, in adjacent uh, hospital rooms and he lived just a couple doors up the street. We would grab these comics freaking religiously and black dude gravitated to, to Bishop and his comic, he's a bad motherfucker. Take no prisoners. This cover sets it up. I mean, those are action figures. That's a toy ad right there on that cover. It's so much of that time period. It's, it's a post the gritty we're all in overcoats and yes. it is now like gi joe with guns as rob liefeld might say totally but it was the hottest stuff going and it's funny that you say that and i kind of forgot about this i remember having a, a dude on my football team borrowed how to draw comics the marvel way so it was that comics were like around you yeah know, they were known and stuff so this is also post uh, chris claremont you know like he was going to be the guy he was going to write both he was going to write the wills x-men he was going to write the jim lee x-men but the, there's a paradigm shift, and the paradigm shift is Jim Lee-inspired. It's about bombastic imagery, and characterization is, you know, that's an afterthought. Yeah, it's and, and unfortunately, it's all done in words. So uh, it's it makes for a slog to read. On this issue, we have uh, the plot is Will Spertaccio, so he's just drawn a bunch of cool drawings. And uh, it's John Byrne who's putting the words into people's mouths. I had no idea. 
until rereading this. For 30 plus years, I thought this was Chris Claremont kind of like wrapping it up. And when I saw John Byrne there, it blew my mind because he kind of channels the, the uh, Chris Claremont well, eloquence, you know, that style of writing, which is, I don't know that it's good writing, but it's really distinctly like X-Men. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what, reading this, because it's been a long time since I read, read this, like when, when I give my spiel about X-Men Grand Design, and how, uh, you know, I take the first 300 issues. That's just not true. Like, I take the Claremont stuff, and I, because it dramatically, it is what it is. It grows into what it is, but it's still the reliable Chris Claremont. And then uh, after Chris Claremont leaves, the gulf between the writing is so dramatic because these guys are not writing in their own voices. They're doing Chris Claremont cosplay, and uh, the the John Byrne thing specifically, I, it feels like a cuckold maneuver, you know. Like they they uh, had their own frictions on X Men and things, and as soon as Chris Claremont goes away, like John Byrne's there to to fuck the wife. You know what I'm saying? Like I I, I think that's I think there's calculation, uh, in in that. But it'll it was a big if, if you if you have to replace Chris Claremont at this time, if you're Bob Harris and it's like, man, we gotta figure this out. Burns about the best guy you could come up with. There's so much history there. It was news, and I think he only fills in like he writes like a couple of issues. Yeah. It doesn't go anywhere. But if you guys remember our wizard coverage, it was big news. That yeah. Bur Burn was coming back to X-Men. Uh it doesn't last, but it's the best you could hope for for like trying to replace Chris Claremont. Look at that those storm legs. You know, I will also note here, Tom Morzakowski on Letters, who we've talked about a lot being important visually for X-Men. The next issue that we'll also look at, there are two letters. Tom's on there and somebody else is on there because yeah. I don't know if it's Deadline or what, but you can feel the difference. There are pages where it does not look like Morzakowski and it kind of feels like X-Men fill-in. It's that same It's that same letterer who, who does um, so much of the West Coast lettering. Uh, they, they do the, um, the Monkey Man O'Brien lettering. Yeah, I'm not, you know, saying good or bad, but not Tom Morzakowski, and that stuff's so distinct, the way he sort of has a bounce and the way he trims out those dense scripts that I associate with X-Men of this era. So the story, here we go, guys, the story. The <laughs> X-Men had a fight with some Sentinels, and uh, supposedly Jean Grey is dead, but she's not dead. Her mind got transferred into another body, into Emma Frost, who's dead, but she's not dead. And she's in the clutches of this Trevor Fitzroy, who... Man, I wonder if Gary Oldman like was played a character like that up to this point because like I feel like I've seen him uh, adorn that sort of attire yeah. one or two times in a role, but this feels like a distinctly West Coast inspired character. You'll see New York dudes coming up with that character right there with that goofy hair. That's like a, that's an art dude. Yeah, the, there is a new generation here. Wills and Jim Lee and these guys are young. That you know they don't have twenty years of experience. They've got five. Yes, and uh, you know, for all the ribbon that we do with uh, Kay Fabian and Scott Jobdell and stuff, John Byrne, like, it is a, it is a big ask to have these pages turned in. I tried to, I tried to separate, you know, words from pictures and imagine like I am the writer and I'm getting sent these pages. There, there's no storytelling on any page. There's no story being told visually, really. Uh, here's a little story. You know, get a little something, something, but it the lack of clarity is tremendous. So now, John Byrne has to create a patchwork to kind of have some congruity. 
It's so funny. They 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 end up with a sentinel's head that yeah. the X Men kind of destroy, and that's what they're trying to like get information out of this head. Right. <laughs> tap tap the information out of there. This Trevor Fitzroy guy, he's got a power, and the power is to create these portals. Turns out the portals only go one way. But the X Men got in, gleaned enough information that they know that they need to go to this joint to retrieve the body of Emma Frost to hopefully like siphon the Jean Grey brain out. What a cool looking page. Boy, might be the coolest Professor X look you've ever seen. Combined with that big two two thirds splash of the jet, like that's a that's a pretty good looking page. That freaking jet, man. Such an albatross. Oh, I wouldn't want to draw that. Yeah, this Trevor Fitzroy, I don't remember too much about him. I don't know if, if he's just kind of around for this storyline or what. Pretty much. But uh, really making a move here. You know, taking over the uh, the Hellfire Club and, you know, being a bad guy. Being the classic kind of uh, big personality bad guy. Look at these Ziggy Stardust villains. That Where? shit is so whack. <laughs> what future are these dudes coming from? <laughs> Which is what he's bringing through those portals, by the way. That's a not just a portal to another dimension, but a time travel portal. So he's bringing in these, I guess, bad guys, outlaws from the future to... Uh, Some homies. Ma ...make his move by, you know, it's Terminator. He's going to go back in the past and take over. That time paradox stuff is so tough. Yeah. Like, when you start to think about it for any yeah, little bit, it just, it's impossible. So, like, here we go, man. We got Wills on the docket, and... Even as a kid, I recognized that this isn't quite Jim Lee. You know, that's a crazy neck on Archangel, and it just doesn't have that exact level of dynamism. Yeah, there's a roughness to it. Like, I think his anatomy is sound, but there's a roughness to it where Jim Lee is so smooth with the way he's able to do the uh, heroic kind of poses. Heck of a craftsman. And, and that's that was the benefit that Jim Lee brought to his studio. Um, and if you go on Jim Lee's Twitter, or Twitch... Uh, his drawing sessions he codifies his drawing style he he tells you what's up man you missing your uh your little center spread ad pieces maybe, maybe this is just direct market you know what man we've got different yeah that's a, that's a whole insert that you have i don't know if that's worth making note of but if you look all those ads you're showing are uh this is my page this you know like they're all missing so that may have been a direct market that might have even been a repackaging you know how, like sometimes army bases would have like an extra insert put in yeah um it could be something like that you know it was going to another outlet so let's sell even more advertising for it yeah sorry not to hijack stuff <laughs> yeah what were we talking about just that comparison of the jim lee and the in the uh wills styles and all that superhero stuff but we are going to get into it and i oh, like oh, all of oh, this you know what you know what we're talking about we were talking about uh the way uh, that jim lee like codifies his his drawing like when you watch his twitch he'll he'll he's so clear about like okay when you draw ahead at this angle you do this 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 he like he can break it down as a craftsman as a teachable skill and then you know he's got all those underlings who learn mm -hmm. from him and who have his kind of style because they internalize that stuff, you know, watched him like a hawk in that studio. He broke that shit down and, and they, they took heed to that advice. I wonder if he was going through that, the, uh, the studio, like you think of Joe Kubert, you know, put the tracing paper on and show like, no, do a head this way. Right. I wonder if he was doing some of that stuff hands on at the drawing tables as he would go through the studio. And you get to see like, you know, the last page was a bunch of action. So you get to see Will's kind of doing the action and, and managing the teams. You always hear about how 
it's much harder to do a team book than, than Spider-Man or Punisher. Right. These pages start to illustrate why. When you've got four or five characters engaging in combat, drawing them all in these different different uh, perspective planes, like it's a lot. One of the things that we learned from our uh, more recent Rob Liefeld conversations is, uh, or actually it was, I think it was might have been Youngblood 6 when we were talking about acquiring Danny Miki, discovering that Danny Miki was assistant to Art T-Bear around this era. So there might be some Miki hand on some of the backgrounds and stuff, though there is very little uh, background uh, to, to be seen anywhere. Well, another casualty of having a team, you know, in the foreground. <laughs> when you've got four or five people fighting another four or five people, it something's got to give. It makes it a cinch, you know, like, like Wills and Jim Lee, like they focus all of their attention on, on the, the figures. And then you do like energy backgrounds mm -hmm. and things. Look at the double lighting on those traps. That is a, uh, you could have a whole video on the anatomy of that guy's back. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a Punisher skull. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, this is an X-Men for a new era. So, so Fitzroy, he's got a body count already. You know what is funny about this? I was looking at Storm when we see her, and I was thinking of uh, Billy Tucci's she costume with the shoulder pads. Fitzroy has the same shoulder pads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just chaos. Thick-ass neck on that Colossus. Colossus is huge. Some of this stuff at times, I think, does look rushed, and it makes me wonder if there are there. studio hands involved. Because I think Wilson and Jim Lee may be studio mates at this point. I'm not yeah. sure about that, but I, I have a feeling they are. Yeah, I, it started off with uh, Wilson uh, Scott Williams okay. had the studio, and then and then Lee comes in later, and then and then Silvestri comes in after that. I yeah, believe. whenever you hear like inkers that have um, assistants and stuff, it makes me think if you're running a studio, you probably have an assistant or two floating around there. Maybe several that come and go. So uh, here it is, man. This is the intro to Bishop, and at this time, I I was already groomed for new characters rob liefeld groomed me for new characters man like i like cable came out deadpool deadpool came out when i saw this even even this front thing was was like i would yeah. buy an x-men anyway but uh it's like okay we got we got some new customers in town here and they got the x right so this is this is future x-men yeah so many questions there and he, and you know he shows up he doesn't show up but his voice shows up on the page before where he's like grab him i want young fitzroy alive and you get the close-up of fitzroy's face turning going no it can't be and just fear on yeah. his face it's such a good setup like that whole page is the setup for oh shit, who is this guy coming through and like you say with the x-men costume you got everything you need there to sell me the next issue <laughs> yeah totally and it's funny because like when we were figuring out okay let's let's do this week's books blah 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 and like this is the image that came came to your mind like oh dude we should do x-men 282 first of prince of bishop but he only shows up on that one page but this is such an iconic image you know this is the true kind of first appearance and it's it's a pretty bad it's a pretty bad cover in terms of selling this new character it's just two characters looking at each other having an argument yeah i'd be curious about how they got to that point we always see like cover roughs yeah and who knows how busy everyone is if you're doing full cover roughs but it's a pretty important issue right i'd be curious to see what those covers look like that said i actually love bishop's forearm and, and totally. arm there and it's a Wills Portatio ink job on it this is. cover, which yep. is a little bit different. He goes into the black a little bit more than, than a lot of the inkers that, that will uh, work his. And I like his inks for that reason. Me too. He, he allows for a little bit more humanity in that line. You know, like it's uh, like R.T. Bear's trying to do his best Scott Williams. And Scott Williams is known for that precision. You know, I describe it as plastic yeah. almost. But uh, Wills will uh, allow some organic matter to show up. 
So now we have our future X-Men. They got the M on the I. That M on the I has been established from days of future past. So you see that if you're a longtime X-Men fan, you're like, you're like, oh shit, they're coming. They're from days of future past era. Like, is he a narc? That's the other thing that that character set up like is a policeman. Yeah. But also he's, uh, take no prisoners. It's like, he's very willing to, uh, to kill some dudes. And that's where the X-Men have to step in and say, shoot. Chill that noise. Right. <laughs> that is a ridiculously, like, provocative blur, kind of blur, pose. Blur, 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 blur. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, the test of strength, Hulk Hogan, uh, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, when Warrior's down on his knees. You ever see that uh, that animated gif yes. <laughs> right in the middle of the ring? <laughs> the speed lines, man, they look good, and they're far far more easier to do than a bunch of perspective uh buildings and things yeah they don't bother me at all it you know the characters pop in front of them i don't know if you had a detailed background of a blown up lab or whatever they're in if that would have been better it you is know what i mean it is a, a trope of wills portachio mm -hmm. you know we just seen four or five of them in a row you know it might have been something i liked about him too at the time yeah yeah i mean you know that was the one thing that i could crib i had this i, <laughs> right. I, I had this portable my first drawing board, it was a plastic thing that had like a little sort of bevel, a little hole, whatever, uh, and a little plastic T-square that could go mm -hmm. all around, all around. So I had a triangle and, and uh, that was something that I could mimic. Yeah, it's good. This is a pretty badass panel. I feel like he's really leaning in there in a way that projects forward. Yeah. And then you get splatter effects. So... Uh tip of the cap to the inker on that job totally and and that that is something that uh wills would bring to his work you know like when we looked at some of those x-men issues that uh had a little a little homage hand in it and there were wills pages and there were you know other dudes pages and you could tell the will stuff because it'll have that that kind of messiness <laughs> and look at like colossus just gives him that little bitch slap yeah like you know, on a scale of one to 10, he hits him with like a two. That is one. I, I've heard uh, freelancers who did Marvel work who were like told, that's not how we throw a punch in a Marvel comic. And I feel like this is one that wouldn't pass mustard. <laughs> right. But, but it feels, it's storytelling, you know, it's like, it's like Colossus is so strong that you ain't getting, you ain't getting a big one from me. And it's enough to like crack his head into a wall like that. Right, which you'd imagine the back of his skull's caved in unless he's got some metal <laughs> skull or something out of Wolverine. Uh, this is, so this issue I had, I was reading it this week and I'm like, man, this is dumb. What happens here? Because here you go, X-Men, right? And it's like Bishop meeting the X-Men of this, of this time period. Huge, the biggest thing possible. This is us time traveling and meeting Jack Kirby, right. you know, in his prime sitting at his drawing table. So he's, he's justifiably excited about this. But uh, we're going to see how that turns out. Right. And that's the part where I start to go, wait a minute, did I miss a page? Yeah, yeah. This, this is like the total cartoon thing, too, where you got to call each one out by name. Right. And show them off. But it's all, it's all uh, on Angel. You're not Angel. Angel doesn't look like uh, that in my time frame. It's a trick. Yeah, and I feel like... Pump the brakes, Bishop. Maybe this is a different X-Men that dies in the next mission, and so you just don't remember him. Right. But by the way, you've got Storm and Iceman and Colossus here. Three out of four ain't bad. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill all of you now because I've decided you're not X-Men based on 
he's concussed from flying into the wall is yeah. the only explanation <laughs> that you can apply to this. Otherwise, he's the dumbest character in the history of comics. Pretty thin. Pretty thin. Now, look at both of these pages. Look at these faces. You know, it looks like almost like a Dan Panosian on the on the brow. There's some different hands. I, I, it doesn't feel 100% Wills to me. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, what happens if it was a, um, you know, sometimes you'll have a pose where it's like, I just can't get this down angle or I can't get this detail. And you wonder if you're working in a studio, if the guy next to you is like, yeah, just do it like this. Right. You know, and you get that little bit of extra, a little bit of somebody else weighing in. His Iceman was instructive for drawing the figure to me the way that he sold the forehead piece because it made me understand the marks that jim lee would make on the wolverine brow mm -hmm. you know maybe understand that a little bit more because that's one of those things you just don't quite think about until you have to draw a bald head looking down or up and he would draw these long faces like on storm yeah. there yeah and um i remember there was a girl i went to high school with who had the wills portatio woman's face the equine features and, and it was uh I, I wouldn't even go that far it wasn't unattractive but it, it felt so much like his kind of subtleties and i would see everybody like there were there was a liefeld person i knew that was like that's a liefeld face i knew a liefeld man <laughs> had eyes real far apart <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the one you don't want to see is like the Charles Burns El Borba face. <laughs> right. The big baby. Yes. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous panel. This is these three new badasses unloading. And they're just standing there so stiff. Bishop's just pointing. He's right. Like, Call on me, teacher. It's that thing that uh, Rob Layfield was talking about, like temple touchers. They're all temple touchers. Right. Storm comes off badass, though, in that next Yeah, page. she's a leader. You know, she is the leader of, you know how there was, like, blue team, gold team? Also, the most iconic shirts of the era, by the way. This is the shit where, where like, Todd McFarlane's like, you know what, I'm going to go form Image Comics. Because you won't give me a copy. That's what he would call it. You won't give me a copy of that t-shirt. Well, even as an ad, like, it's such a uh, cruddy... Like the sweatshirt drawing. Totally. <laughs> so crummy. And and just think of like the design, like they're really milking yeah, they the McFarlane art because like that ain't nothing special. Yeah. Also, I hate silk screens on the back. Oh yeah? Yeah, I'm not a fan of silk screen on the back. Alright, so we retrieved our bodies. We have our Jean Grey, we have our Emma Frost, and their minds are switched around. So now we gotta gotta get them back into the right bodies. I think this might be the start of uh the White Queen being a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more subdued, a little bit more on the good side. Yeah, because she's going to be joining them relatively, like three years from now, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and she'll be the leader of uh, Generation X. So uh, That's and even sooner than three years. That's probably like a 93. Might be later. 92, 93? Yeah, it might be a little later, really. Um, so uh, in true Chris Claremont fashion, you, you wrap up one story, but then you got to like dangle some threads with the next. And uh, this Game Master fella is going to be uh to, to factor in to that yeah and we're going to uh end our bishop appearance here with basically bishop getting away yes which is great because it sets up all kind of future possibilities of like how are we going to resolve this uh this this super powerful character from the future that looks cool what's up what's he gonna do next based on gary coleman a mixture of gary coleman and Larry Stroman, and you get Bishop, the new X-Men for the 90s. And you know what, man? We were on board for that stuff. Yeah, 100%. There's a letter in the back by a Gerardo Alagian from the Philippines, and I oh, think it's Jerry. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, he, he showed up in Wizard Fan Art. I think he passed a few years ago, but uh, a cartoonist. Did some work in the, in the industry, indies and mainstream, I think. Look at all this stuff, man. <laughs>
This is funny because I'm going to check out here pretty soon. You're going to see a page. I love this cover too. It's a good one, man. You know, you know what this stuff is to me. I'm gone man? by. I'm I'm gone here. This is. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, Jimmy. Hmm. And I stuck with it. It was the only constant I had in my mind in my young life. In terms of comics. You know what's funny is you talk about Bishop. He's on every cover. Yes. Like those last 20 covers that you flipped, like he's on all of them. Yeah, they man. were pushing him. And not anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, these... Uh, John Romita Jr. did a good Bishop. He did a, he did a good run here. Because it was, you know, it was his style. This is like when I when I really started kind of getting more excited about That's a them. cool cover. I love that concept of like the old character, new character. This would be around X-Men issue 30, where uh, Scott and Gene get married. Like, this shit is, like, so burnt into my my, my mind. Is Romita Gene? I didn't realize he did that many issues. That's a big run. Like a year. Like a year's worth. And then it jumps right into Joe Mad. You know, Joe Mad pops right in. And, and, like, when Joe Mad comes on, you know, it oscillates. It's like, this might be a Roger Cruz, yeah. And then we did this one with uh, Brian Leo Malley. And then when Joe Mad comes on, here's the thing, dude. These X-Men, the art style changes. It's now it's now Joe Mad inspired X-Men. But the writing never becomes anything but Chris Claremont cosplay. It's so hard to follow something like Claremont. I mean, he, you write a character for 15 years, it's your character. You're always people, if they're trying to be true to that character, are always gonna go have to go back to that source. This is a good cover. We're going to have to do like an overview of Joe Mad's X-Men because like I have almost all of it. It'd be interesting to do the end of his run. You know, like we've looked at some of the early issues. We kind of need to see uh, how it wraps up. That's an amazing contrast when you think of like the Jim Lee X-Men cover as being that kind of fooled out, you know, multi-cover He changes part. the game and look at that pose, man. He's solid. That's pretty fun too because they would play, uh, you know, the, the baseballs and the basketball games and stuff like that over the years. Chris Claremont cosplay, I'm telling you. That's what this shit is. But you see him getting more and more into his style. Here, here's the, uh, we're getting into the Ninja Scroll issues. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe this would be a good app. That could be really cool. I've never read those, apps. so that would be uh, new for me. Look at this stuff, dude. I still stick with it, man. It's so hard for me to like look at a cover like this and discern anything. Like I can't tell you what kind of story's happening. You know, we're not in just the pinups on the cover stage, but also like I have no idea. I'm but, such an old. This is my old man. Like oh, I don't know what this style means. It's a good gladiator. Looks like that's a character he's he's well uh, built for. Yeah. But uh, you know, once once Joe Mad came on, I, I would just had to see what he was up to. You know, like his 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 art was it was revolutionary for. Does he do Spider Man? Is that a Joe Mad issue? That previous issue? Yeah. Because I feel like you know I would love to see all those dudes Hulk do too. a Spider Man run. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty cool looking. You can see the Ed McGinnis yeah, with the thick lines. Definitely. But Spider Man's such a um, a good character for that kind of style, I think. And in a way, we get. We miss that, you know. I'm missing issue 350, and that, that's that's a Steve Siegel hit me up when I was showed off that one X Men piece I drew with the four with the four tiers of uh, mm -hmm. X Men. He was like, "Dude, I, I wrote one of those into X Men 350 because I wanted to see Joe Mad draw something like that." That's good. That's good. <laughs> you have to track that down. Do you think it's in a different box? I don't have it. Out? Oh, really? Yeah, it, for some reason that's that's like the one that I don't have, and then I just fall off. I'm just done. I, I, he probably goes right to Battle Chasers after that. But there it is, man. Secret Origins of uh, the Bishop character. 
Yeah, it's pretty good. Good to go, Jimmy? I am. Hey, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell so that we can notify you when new vids are available. Uh, we have a Patreon, and the King K Fabers on our Patreon are able to check out our videos uh, before anybody else. They're watching this live stream, this this broadcast. Uh, we're going to be at Heroes Con this coming weekend, and we are promoting Cartoonist K Fab Comic Book Christmas in July, which is our effort to create more comic book readership. And the way that we're doing that is by taking our comic book doubles, we're taking our comp copies that we've gotten from the publisher, we are dumping those into the free little lending libraries around. Our neighborhood and in our fair cities we encourage you to do so as well this is the second time we're doing it last year we had thousands of people participate i'd like tens of thousands of people to participate this year yes but the vids are brought to you by the books that we make jimmy tell the people what you got going on hulk grand design the plain janes and street angel deadly girl live are all of my books that are in print right now street angel princess of poverty is my next image comics release that'll be collecting all the street angel comics that are not in deadly girl live and my next comic true crime funnies featuring some short non-fiction stories that i've done recently that's going to debut at heroes con and uh details on how you can get a copy if you don't make it to heroes con are coming soon look for those next week and you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can read some of these comics that I have been doing recently. The Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you sooner than later. It is off to the presses, man. Going to be here in time for the holidays. Uh, we're collecting the f four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree into one volume. This is the spine. Uh, there is going to be 140 pages of extras that are not in those first four volumes, including a bunch of artwork that I've made uh, exclusively for this edition you see that gold foil man look at that that's sexy stuff the canaries are gleaming uh lots of lots of stuff going on this year the other big holiday effort is uh x-men grand design trilogy is going to be coming to you this holiday season where we're taking all three volumes of my x-men grand design comic putting it into one trade paperback and going to make it available to you in time for the holiday season the comics that are on the racks right now coming out are uh, Red Room Crypto Killers. One is out right now. There are two trade paperbacks out there of the previous seasons. Issue two of Red Room Crypto Killers is going to come to your local comic shop sooner than later. And the final order cutoff for issue three of uh, Crypto Killers is going to be Monday as of the release of this video. But uh, lots of stuff going on this year. Jimmy, tell the people what else we have going on. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, fanny packs, mugs, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All great ways to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, Jimmy will be on our way. Read more comics.